What's going on? What's going on, everybody? It is the only sports podcast. I'm Will. That's Casino. It is episode number 59. 59. We are 10 away, Casino. 10 episodes away. (laughs) From, dare I say, a game changer. And, of course, my wife... my wife decides to call me right when I start the podcast every single time. Goodbye, love you. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> uh, I'm leaving that in. Shout out to That's my fine. wife for having the worst timing in the world. But a lot to talk about on today's show, Casino. We've now seen two uh, games of the Stanley Cup, two games of the NBA Finals. Uh lot to talk about there. Nothing really going on in the NFL. But today, actually, the big breaking news story is, uh, well, non-sports related, the big breaking news story is apparently the United States just has UFOs and a bunch of non-human bodies that some guy under oath said that was true and that's this big thing. So casino. Yeah, because people don't but people don't lie under oath ever. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh I, I think mean, do, well, do I saying... think do I think he's do I think he's wrong and no, do I think there's extraterrestrials of some sort and UFOs and yeah, I I, I am a believer in that. You can call me whatever yeah. you want, but I believe that. But yeah, anyway, you're this saying is, that he's saying under he's oath? That doesn't mean shit. Credible. Well, they're saying he's the most credible source uh, that's come out in a long time because he was a former government official, blah, 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 blah. Just if there is aliens, just let us know. I think people can fucking handle it. Most well, people think there's aliens already. Well, yeah, that and then everybody's like, oh, it's going to cause a panic. Nobody fucking cares. <laughs> you know what? If they do say there's aliens and there's, you know, if it comes out that there's aliens, this and that and whatnot, and, and the world is like trying to cover it up for mostly, I wonder if that actually would like unite the world to be like, oh shit, maybe we should stop fighting each other. No way. No way. Uh, now let's move on to, you want to talk about Stanley Cup first or NBA Finals first? Uh, you're the one editing. What do you, you tell me, boss? I'm ready. Uh, you know what? Let's go NHL first. That is the I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, We had game two last night. So at the moment, the Panthers, uh, the Florida Panthers and the Las Vegas Golden Knights are in the Stanley Cup. Game one ended 5-2, the Golden Knights. Second game last night ended 7-2, Golden Knights. So, you know, is this heading for a sweep? Uh, To me, it comes down to game three. It really does. Um, you can obviously tell that the Panthers have been frustrated. Um, I'll start breaking down the games here in a minute about that. But they're extremely frustrated. If they come out uh, in game three and the Knights are able to do what they've done the first two games against them on home ice, I think their will to win the cup is gone. Uh, which is, is scary, though, because then uh, I think they're going to start just players they have on their team are going to start uh, being a little more aggressive than they have been, which is saying something. Um, so last night, the seven, two, there was a, I think it was 148 total penalty minutes, which is the second highest in Stanley in Stanley cup finals history. Um, and what did I say? 
what did I say before this series started? That this series was going to be the most physical series of the entire playoffs on each side because both teams are absolute giant brutes. Um, and even Marsh, uh, Marshall, so Jonathan Marshall, so for the Knights, um, he's only like five eight or something like now, he's like five ten. Anyway, he's <laughs> very short, but he is out there. He there was some hits that he was throwing against people that were like almost a foot taller than him, and I'm just like, good on you, good on you. Like you're not afraid to just go out there and just smoke people. Um, so with that, let's start off with uh, game one, man. Uh, the Knights end up five two. Uh, one was an open netter, so we'll call this four two. Realistically, uh, the open netters. I, I have trouble trying to say that. That's from the score. Um, you do deserve yeah. it because you know. You got ahead, they pull their goalie, you get a goal, you know, you deserved it, you put them in that situation. So um it ended five two, but with the one open netter. Um absolutely love this game uh for multiple reasons. Obviously the Golden Knights winning, but what I really like is the Knights they frustrated Panthers so much in this game. Um, and they're they've been doing this. They started it really in the Oilers series and then the Dallas series. They're not engaging. They're not engaging. The one game that they got blown out, uh, blown out in the Oilers series is was because they engaged with the after whistle shenanigans. They have not been doing that. They've been very disciplined. And this was something that I thought Florida would have a hard time with is not being disciplined. And it's so true. It's happening. Um, I've, I'm really happy to see the Knights just after the whistle's blown, they let them to get beat the shit. Like in this game, the Panthers had 36 hits. The Knights had 29. So not too different there, only seven. Um, but what I really liked was, um, and the Knights were winning the face off is the Knights, they know how to bounce back. And I talked about this on, how resilient this team can be when it comes to bouncing back. And I'm sorry, folks, this is going to sound super biased going into the Knights, but they are the winning team currently, and they're doing the right things, and the Panthers aren't. So I'm going to be talking mostly negative about the Panthers' play and then positive about the Knights' play, and that is due to just what's happening actually on the ice. Um, and a lot has to do with with discipline. Um, so for the big thing is, so Matthew Tuchuk, like I said, the Panthers' number one superstar, it was going to be two people. It was going to be Bobrovsky in net and the Panthers' um, Matthew Kachuk, uh, Tuchuk on offense. If you could stop him, you're great. If you can't, you're going to have some issues. The Knights' defense was not that great in game one. Um, but Matthew Tuchuk just couldn't, couldn't hold his emotions intact. He'd got a 10-minute game misconduct in game one. Um, there was a whole sequence where Haig, the same guy that I, I've been talking about, just smiling and wave is getting beat to shit. Um, <laughs> literally just beat to shit. He got his helmet torn off. Uh, one of our guys ripped off another dude's helmet and he got a game misconduct as well. Um, so they were not being biased to one team. They were playing fair, no matter what Paul Maurice, the Panthers coach is saying that, Oh, it's unfair. Well, make your team more disciplined. Um, but yeah, Tuchuk is like slashing at people's uh, wrists, which is, in my my opinion, that should be a suspension because this isn't after the play. You're not doing anything. You're just taking slashing towards um, a player's wrist. You're trying to hurt the player. You're trying to 
stop them from being able to play the game of hockey. That's not a hockey play. I'm all for, you know, aftermath, people like getting up each other's faces. I'm all for the fighting when it's um, like set to be a, like I'm retaliating for you hitting my player really hard. I'm all for that. But when the refs have everything done and taken care of, you shouldn't be taking cheap shots like Matthew Tuchuk did to Haig, where Haig has got his helmet ripped off. He's being choked out. Fine. He's just sitting there. The, the refs have pretty much everything taken care of. Then he comes up and just straight punches Haig in the face after the play. I'm sure you saw it. It was actually ridiculous. And then another one of the Panthers players did the same thing to Haig. There's only three people left um, in the middle of all the officials. Uh, three three players. Everything said. Everybody's skated away. One of the Panthers players comes skating up and punch Hags in the face again, and <laughs> he got a thing uh, a ten minute game gets misconduct as well. Like it was just getting out of hand, and they just can't discipline. But I really like that the Knights were not engaging, and um, the Panthers did score first in this series. They scored first. They scored first in game one, but what the Knights have done. All years, they make you pay when you're undisciplined. Um, all playoffs make you pay where penalty, the Knights score on the power play. They tied it up 1-1, and then they just took off from there. Um, yeah, man, it's it's great. And then you get into goaltending. This is – I know how I said that Hill had the, the save of the playoffs during the oh, Dallas no. series with that awesome save diving was, save. Yeah. This save this was save 10 times one. better. Yeah. So – he he gets beat, and he's he's following the puck, but he gets a little too far out of his crease. And it was a great pass, and I believe it was Matthew Tuchuk who makes the pass. Great pass to a former Knights player in Nick Cousins, um, who's a total tool bag. He's been going after the goalie <laughs> and in game one and everything. He's a tool. Anyway, so it was a wide-open net. I mean, wide open. He could literally just kind of like breathe on the puck and put it in if he wanted to. But Hill dives backwards, and there's a, there's, I've seen memes and memes of this where he's fully laid out with his paddle, and he gets the paddle save on it. And what was really cool about that save, and this really makes me feel like the Knights can win this series, is because when the Knights got to the playoffs, uh, or got to the Stanley Cup in year one, Holtby made an amazing save on one of the Golden Knights players, in the same fashion, they pulled them up side by side, and it almost looks identical, almost identical. Um, and to me, I was like, as soon as I saw that save and it happened, I was like, oh, it's switched now. We are going to have that play of the playoffs of the Stanley Cup final. Um, and dude, since um, since uh, the Stanley Cup finals have started. I know I've been talking about Sergei Bobrovsky being really great and Aiden Hill being good as well, but I would favor Bobrovsky. I'm done with that. Bobrovsky's done. He is beat. I said that he could be broken. He has been broken. Aiden Hill is uh, out of his goddamn mind. The game two, the game two Bobrovsky stat is he was pulled in the second period after allowing four goals on only 13 shots. 13 shots. So 13 shots on target, uh, shots on goal. Um, the Knights had more shots, but you only see what they put up on the TV and whatnot is um, SOG, SO, uh, SOG, which is shots on goal. Because, like, even you, if you hit, even if you hit a post, it does not count yeah, as a shot on goal. Okay. Do you, you think, 
do you think he is done in this series or do you think they no. give him they try to give him redemption? 100% he's getting redemption and the reason I say that is we who got the second goal? Um yeah, the only reason they're giving him a redemption is because he's the only reason they're in the playoffs or into the Stanley Cup final. Like I said, the team is good. They're a decent team. They've got I mean, they were the President Cup trophy winners last year. They got a superstar this year. Um but Lyon was their was their goalie before the playoffs, and he was the, the one who started the playoffs. Bobrovsky just filled in for Lyon when um, they were down to the Boston Bruins, and then he did amazing against the Bruins, comeback victory. He did really good in the Maple Leafs, and then he was able to shut down and steal a couple games, um, especially that that four time uh, four overtime winner uh, against the Hurricanes. So. You have to start him. He's the only reason you're there. That was how I felt about Flurry with the Golden Knights um, in year one and the couple of years that Flurry was there. Is the Knights couldn't score anything, so they were only time they were like winning games is when they were up by like two because Flurry was stopping everything. So you can only ride a hot goalie for so long. And I did say before this series started that the Panthers have not played a defensively or an offensive team like this yet a four-line juggernaut of an offense where, again, I, I, I know I'm reiterating this, but the, this team did not have a 30-goal score entering the playoffs. They were just very well-balanced, and now they're in here and they're showing why they're well-balanced. Every line is scoring. You have nine different goal scorers, uh, nine different goal scorers um, in the first two games. That is absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Nine different goal scorers in, in two games. Um, so yeah, uh, Sergei Bobrovsky, his save percentage is under, um, under nine, 900, um, right now for the playoffs and he's Oh two and Aiden Hill's save percentage is even better than when he entered the series and he's playing out of his mind. So I, I honestly could see a sweep going back to your original question way back when, um, <laughs> I, I could, if the Knights not only they don't if they if they win the next game by a close game, I don't think it's a sweep. But if they win the next game like they did in game one and especially game two, this series is over. I don't I think they come home with the Stanley Cup and they get off that fucking airplane with the cup if they have like another five two seven two performance um in game three. If it's a close game, I and the Knights still win, I could still see Panthers and I would expect the Panthers to win game four. Because that's, I mean, look what happened in the Dallas series with Vegas. They're playing desperate hockey. They're still a great team. They made the Stanley Cup finals. Uh, Everybody's saying, I see on Twitter and Reddit and all those things. Even though I don't have it, I still look it up. Um, That the Panthers, oh, they had to go through the harder, you know, the harder way to get to the playoffs. They had to go through the Bruins, the best team in the playoffs. They had to go through the Maple Leafs, who were on a hot streak. And they got multiple superstars. And then the Hurricanes were the cup favorites to start the year. This is all true. But you know what? How about you don't be the eight seed? How about you actually do well in the regular season? Don't be the fucking eight seed when you were the President Cup winners the season before. And as I said last episode, the Bruins, in my opinion, was coaching. They fell flat because of coaching. The uh, or Yeah, the Bruins. And then the Maple Leafs, their stars didn't show up. And then the Hurricane series was actually much closer and it was just a goaltending battle. And that's where I why I had Bobrovsky 
slightly above Aiden Hill going into this series, which now has flipped. Um, but it has been so, so you got game one, the Knights won, they're feeling great. Um, you go into game two, uh, last night, which for a Monday night where I work, I'm normally dead. I was sprinting my ass off. <laughs> Absolutely sprinting. I made about 300% more than what I normally make on a Monday because yeah. we were so fucking busy. I, yeah. My daytime bartender actually had to stay, um, he stayed to watch the game there, but he'd pop back every now and then. He probably worked like an extra hour worth, um, just helping me catch up on glassware or whatnot. Um, and we have a shit ton of glasses that to get backed up is is and run out of stuff is pretty crazy. But anyway, yeah, I think for for people outside of Vegas, I don't think they realize because Vegas is obviously like the tourist town and where you go on vacation and stuff. I don't think people outside of Vegas realize how big the Golden Knights are in Vegas to oh, Vegas locals. Like they don't they don't understand. It is it is pandemonium here when the Knights are playing, especially at like local places. I used to work, now I don't. I work at a tourist spot where there's like nobody who really gives a shit. But when I used to work at a local bar, like when Vegas night games were on, I I mean, it was like you're saying, like you, if, if you were usually dead that night, guess what? Now you're not and you get your whole night made, but you work your fucking ass off. Like right. gold, the, the, the Raiders, no one gives a fuck about the Raiders in Vegas, unless you were already a Raiders fan. Nobody gave a fuck about hockey in Vegas until the golden Knights came. And now it's like everybody in Vegas is well, again, a golden I, Knights like no. super fan. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was a big hockey following. Come on, man. There was a big hockey following all, all the minor league. Yeah. Yeah. You dude. Did you ever go to one of those Wrangler games or one of those Thunder games? Did yeah. you ever go to one? I also went to arena football games. Like those things were packed, but you would never like be like, oh, an arena football game's on at the bar. Like, let's turn it on. Okay, like, so so I, I will give you some half a point, but I still think that there was a massive <laughs> hockey following because outside of the running Rebels, which were always selling out games, um, yeah, even when they I weren't really, you. even when they weren't that good, good they were still selling out games now they just they can't get anybody to show up um but then the other the only really other big sport that they had um they had the minor league baseball which always did well i went to a lot of those games as well um but hockey dude i would go to those wrangler games and it would be sold out people wanted to go to hockey people but- wanted to go to hockey in vegas and then and then the second thing where I thought was the most important thing, not just because Vegas had a following, but the most important thing was it was our first homegrown franchise. Yeah. That well, that's why the Vegas Raiders has been waiting for them. a pro team of their own. I don't consider Raiders Vegas' own team. Uh-uh. Never. Yeah. Never. That's and even if we get a transfer of any of other an expansion team. Yeah. yeah. Um. But and then I'll tell you right now, that's why I know it's it's it not there's not a big following out there for the WNBA, but the Aces games sell out because it's homegrown Vegas professional team. Those games, those games sell out. It's it's absolutely insane. Um, I haven't been to one myself. Uh, I want to, but I just haven't had out made out time to go. Um, but I have a lot of coworkers, regulars that go to those games and have season tickets and they're like oh yeah it's it 
it's a sold out arena almost every single night. Um, and that's the WNBA, which nothing against them. It's just, they don't have typically a mass following as other sports, but it's a homegrown team. So no, I totally understand. Totally get you on that. But, um, which is a little, uh, I want to ask you one question about that just in, uh, relevance of what we're talking about do you think when the a's move here they will get a big following because i don't Mm -hmm. either i don't get why they're moving here as the a's and not just rebranding completely i i will tell you right now i still feel like there's going to be as much well you're gonna have other just like hockey just like football you're gonna have it's Vegas, professional. Everybody's going to want to come. Those games may get close to selling out because you have other, you know, teams well, coming in. And people like want to the Dodgers. Yeah, or Yankees people want to come to Vegas like and watch it. Yeah, but the actual attendance of Vegas A's fans, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, there's going to be as many um, A's fans from Vegas that are still going to be going to the Aviators games. The Aviators yeah. games, like I said. It's been around a long time, as I mentioned earlier, you know, Vegas sports. Um, This is actually the 40th year of a minor league baseball team in Vegas. First, it was the Stars, and then it was the 51s, and then now it's the Aviators. But it's still owned all by – it's just different minor league affiliates um, that that get traded on out. and But it's still the same people owning all of these teams, and it's the 40th year um, this year. So, I yeah, they're not going to do well here. Um, anyway, so yeah. going back to hockey, um, I talk about the undisciplined thing, dude. So game one, there was four game misconducts, three for the Panthers, one for the Knights. And that's kind of what I was telling you about that scenario with the, uh, punching in the face and the ripping off the helmet. You just don't do that. Um, yeah, there was, it was, a uh, 64 minutes worth of penalty minutes, which is, which is fairly, fairly a lot. Um, <laughs> Fairly a lot, but that was nothing compared to game two last night. Like I said, it was, a. I think the total, I got it right here. Uh, I think the total came out to, oh, of course, they don't put it together. 64, 64, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so 148 penalty minutes. There was seven game misconducts for the Panthers, five game misconducts for the Knights. Um, and, and I'm tired of Paul Maurice crying on the bench, and you see him yelling on the bench. This is the Panthers uh, coach yelling that oh you know why is he getting called for that something so minor well the game got out of hand and this was the best way that the refs and i really applaud them and commend them for they weren't putting up with any bullshit they don't want us to bleed over into game three so they're like oh game misconduct out game misconduct like everybody's been warned stop the shenanigans after the whistle they didn't stop the shenanigans so he's like all right you're gone all right, you're gone, you're gone, you're gone. It just happened to be the Panthers doing it more than Vegas. And so I bring that up because some, my coworker said this, and I love it. The game plan of the Panthers seems to be like, let's get under their skin. We're, we're, we're going to be rough. We're going to be physical to get under their skin. But again, Vegas has been so good and not engaging that them trying to get under our skin and we're not letting them – the the Knights, what's happening is that's getting under their skin that they can't get under our skin. And you see it with the gameplay. Matthew Tuchuk, their best player, he has three game misconducts and one goal this series. Three game misconducts, one goal. That's not that good. 
And then your other good, <laughs> your other best player on the team, Bobrovsky, uh, at least in these playoffs, he got pulled because he let four goals on 13 shots, as you preluded earlier. Um, so, yeah, it is outstanding. And the, the Panthers, 44 hits to 24 of Vegas. So Vegas, they're laying some good hits when they do lay hits. But, man, um, yeah, they're just not going into it. Um, so speaking of hits, did you see the hit on Jack Eichel? I watched. I watched, I've watched both of these games, and that hit Dude. was. Woo! But you know what? And, and I'm glad Jack, because they asked Matthew to check about the game about it after the game, and he was like, "No, you know, like he should have picked up set up. It was clean. Like fuck off to Chuck." But it was a clean hit. It was a clean hit. It was open ice. It was a reverse hit. Like to Chuck had the puck. Jack Eichel lost an edge, and he went into him. Eichel or uh, well, he Chuck also was gonna just, like came off his skates which made hit look so much bad like you right he lost an edge and that's what he said and i was really happy with jack eichel when when they talked asked him in the interview afterwards was like oh you know and he goes no like it it hurt yeah you know i'm not gonna say it did but i'm (laughs) i'm fine from it but you know it's hockey it's a physical sport you take big hits sometimes and he was like i caught an edge and you know i went into him it was a clean hit and i'm glad that he said that because all the fans and there was a game misconduct after this Every a lot of the fans, I believe, are thinking that it was from the hit. It was not. It was from the shenanigans in the mouth of Tuchuk after he was after the play is what got him the game misconduct. But the hit that was a clean hit. It was it was a one hundred percent clean hit. It was it was a clean neutral. No, it wasn't neutralized. Was it? It was close to. But anyway, Tuchuk had the puck, so it was it was a clean hit. Can't do anything wrong with that. Um, but so. So you say you watched this game. So let me ask you this. Where do you think game two was won? Because there's a certain moment where, in my opinion, after it happened, I was like, Knights are going to win this game, guaranteed. Do you have a moment that you think? Or do you want to take a guess? I never, well, I never thought, unlike game one where the Panthers scored first and they're, as a Golden Knights fan, you're watching it being like, ooh, like, could this get out of hand? And then the Knights answered back real quick. And then it was kind of like off to the races. And by the third period, that game was over. In this one, it never felt like the Panthers were, quote unquote, in it. It's just, you right. know, those games where you watch it, where it's just like, I can't see any scenario where the other team wins. So almost from puck drop it seemed like the Knights just had all the momentum and they were just capitalizing on it. Like you said, the Panthers more look like they're just pissed because they know they're not going to win. So they're just turning it into a fucking boxing match or a brawl. Right. And- so I, I'm not saying this is over because look what they did to the Bruins, but I like the coaching better for Vegas than the Bruins. So where yeah. I thought this game was over was it was in the first, um, the it was one... Um, no, it wasn't 1-0. It was 1-1. I think it was 1-1. Um, yeah. yeah, it was 1-1. And the Panthers are on the power play. The Panthers are on the power play. It's 1-1. And Aiden Hill made three to four outstanding saves. And not just in the defense. Outstanding saves. Just outrageously saying good, uh, good saves. And immediately after the penalty kill, the Knights go down and score. That took out all the momentum that Panthers could even get close remotely to try to get back. You got, you had great opportunities on the power play. You got stuffed on them. And then you let the Knights come down and score immediately. At that point, I knew the game was over. 
So now trying to give a little credit to Panthers on what they have done is in game one, like I said, the Knights defense was a bit shaky there. They started spreading out. That's great passing from the Panthers. And they looked at dangerous. They were able to get in front of the goalie. They had probably like five posts in that in that first game, the Panthers did. They had their opportunities. They had their shots. Luck didn't go their way, whatever it may be. But I was really, really happy with how the Knights came back out in response. And they closed the middle again. And they stopped the likes of Matthew Tuchuk and all these other players to getting in the center and getting in the middle to create havoc, to create chaos. I like when teams create chaos to disrupt other players. Um, but the Knights weren't biting. Again, they were very well disciplined, and it was it was really fun to see. Um, yeah, man. Oh, and also, thank you, Panthers, for Jonathan Marcheseau, which was the pick that we got from you guys that you asked us to take um, in the expansion draft. You you wanted us to take Jonathan Marshall. So you gave us other players with Jonathan Marshall. So so okay. Thank you. Thank you again. <laughs> because he has been there's probably four or five players for the Con Smythe, which is uh playoff MVP that the Knights could go with right now. But if Jonathan Marshall so keeps playing like how he is the last the Dallas series and the Knights series, it's over. He's gonna win it. But yeah, thank you for uh, getting rid of him and letting the Knights take him. That was brilliant and wonderful. Um, but yeah, um, I love it. I love every second of it. I thought I think the Knights, and what I like is they're not celebrating. You see all their interviews after the game. They're like, no, like we did good. There's things that we can work on. We're moving on to the next game. Like we're going to celebrate this until, until midnight and we're going to go out and we're going to go focus on the next game. We're going to work on the things that we did bad this game. We're going to go out. And I love that. And I think the Panthers already feel defeated. You watch after last night's game, you watch all of their interviews. They have no energy left. Paul Maurice sounded like a dude, like one of my regulars said, and it sounded fucking hysterical that he said it was like one of those like um, abducted, like uh, one of those voiceover machines, like from like a abducted movie, or it's just like, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. Paul Maurice was, had his head down. He was all sad. He was talking in like a super weird voice. Um, I mean, he's got a dark voice anyway, but like there was just no energy with it at all. He was so disappointed in his team and embarrassed. And I think this is the first time I've ever seen it at the end of that game. There was like seven seconds left. Um, the Knights got a power play, but it doesn't matter. But the Knights or Panthers were on a power play. I think the Panthers were on a power play. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. Um, game's over, but with seven seconds, he put out five defensemen. He put out five defensemen. I don't know what that would be in protest to. Was it protest to the refs? <laughs> protest to his players that like stop the fucking shenanigans. Like the Knights are taking advantage of all these penalties. <laughs> but yeah, he's, he put out there for the um, for the last face off of the game seven defensemen or five defensemen, which I thought was hysterical. You, now my last, my last question before we move over to the NBA is, do you think the way these two games have happened with a lot of fighting, a lot of penalties, the most penalty minutes, blah, 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 blah. And then two blowouts. Do you think now, obviously as a golden Knights fan, we love it because the Knights are on the winning end of both of those. Right. Uh, do you think this is good for 
either a the sport or b the audience who is like i don't watch the nhl all year but i'll check out the stanley cup do you think this is good content oh 100 percent. because i would say a good portion i'd probably say like 60 percent roughly 60 to 70 percent of the people fans who watch hockey enjoy the physical aspect of it more than the actual like x's and o's i like the x's and o's i like the building up of plays obviously all the extracurriculars are fun but i feel like a lot of people prefer the extracurriculars over the actual like x's and o's which is fine and even if you're a diehard hockey fan some people like that more but i would say like 90 percent of just the casual viewers want to see chaos rather than just good hockey um i'm in the minority i think i just i just like watching good hockey um I like how I like how plays build and this and that. Um, but I think they're doing absolutely wonders for people who are just casual fans watching this series. It's like there's people just laying out there, even our goalie. So Aiden Hill, Matthew Tuchuk gets cross checked in the back, didn't get called, probably should have. Uh, but he's laying in the net last game. And like you can see him, he's like scooting underneath Hill's legs to try to get Hill to like fall over on his ass. Dirty play in my opinion. I don't like that. But the ref like ref rolls over there. It's just like get the fuck out of the net. And then as he gets out of the net, like he pushes Aiden Hill back. And Aiden Hill again probably should have got called for this, but the ref understands why he did it because Matthew Tuchuk probably should have got called for trying to like leg sweep him from like constantly going under his legs. Um Aiden Hill just like takes his the big paddle of his stick and just like smacks him into the chest as he's trying to skate away. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. But people want to see that. People want to see that. Uh, the casual viewers, they don't really care about hockey. And that's why I think like baseball turning into like home runs and making it a faster, just like home run hitting um, offensive thing. Same with football, just big offense. People want to see scoring. People want to see fun. I like the defensive aspect of the game. I know that, like, so for football, like the Patriots against Rams Super Bowl, where it was that low scoring, thirteen to three. I love yeah. that. I fucking because hated that. it. I know yeah. you did, but I loved it because it was a <laughs> grind. Obviously, two reasons: the Patriots won. The other one, though, it was a grind of of chess, and I liked how that played out. Um, yes, everybody's like, "Oh, it's super boring," and I was like, "Okay," because they're not scoring a lot, but. The plays of this def- of both defenses were absolutely outstanding that you knew it was going to be one play that broke this game and you're waiting for it. The Rams almost had it with that that bomb, but um, Jason McCourty was able to run out of nowhere with um, uh, the dude standing right in the middle of the end zone and he knocked it out. And then uh, the other play that actually won it was the, the catch for Gronk to set up for the actual touchdown because nobody was able to like be in the zone. I thought that was exciting because you're on your edge the entire time. Anyway, so that's hockey. I'm really excited. I do think that it could end up being a sweep um, if the Knights roll out how they did in the last two games. Um, if it's a closer game and the Knights edge out, I still think the Panthers will win one at home. And then I I would expect the Knights to win it back in Vegas, if not on the road in game six. Um, yeah, I, I have trouble seeing the Knights losing this series. Um, not being a biased fan, I just it's frustrating the Panthers that they can't frustrate the Knights, and that's going to get to them. 
that's going to cost them the series. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I had the Knights in five. You had them in six. Uh, so both are still very viable. They might even do it in four. We'll see. But uh, let's move over to the other Florida team in the playoffs, talking about the NBA playoffs, where we have now seen two games between the Heat and the Nuggets. And what did I say last episode, Casino? I said the Nuggets the will win can, in five. If- Yes. Unless the Heat can win one of the first two at home, which they have always done in these, always meaning in these playoffs. And then last night, two nights ago. That's what you said. Yes. Two nights ago, I had a roller coaster of emotions in this game because I am obviously a Sixers fan, but I've always loved Jimmy Butler. I'm rooting for the Heat. I'm not really even rooting against the Nuggets. I'd be fine. If the Nuggets won, I'd be happy for the Murray comeback story and then happy for Jokic because he is arguably the best player in the NBA right now. Unarguably, definitely one of the top two, you know, probably tied with Giannis. uh, But obviously Giannis had kind of his star diminished a little against this very Heat team. But then if this team also beats Jokic, you can't say – Giannis is better than Jokic because Giannis got beat by the Heat. If Joker gets beat by the Heat, so blah, blah. That's still... Now this is a five-game series uh, where the Heat now have home court advantage, basically, because the next two games are in Miami. But let's talk about game one because I told you right after game one, and I'm literally just going to read the message because I think it encapsulates... My thoughts. What happened in game two? Yeah. Or no, in game one. Uh, well, just I know, what but I messaged it, you. What you said oh, in yeah, game yeah. one makes makes game two very relevant to what you said. Go for it. So I said, call me crazy, but after game one, I think Heat win the series. After game two, this was solidified. And I said you're crazy, man, or something. You like said that. I'm crazy, and I said the best possible day- game Denver could have played. They played. They got all the fouls. Miami was dog shit shooting. They shut down Joker. Game was nine points. I don't know, man. And you said he had a triple double. I said yeah. And was held exactly to what I said they need to hold him to. He did not beat them. Jamal Murray did. Two free throws to 20 for Denver. That has never happened and will never happen again. Miami wins the next one. I literally called everything that was just going to happen. And then immediately uh, during Sunday's game, halfway through the second quarter, I said, well, I was wrong. Denver is just too good. They have too much depth. This is going to be a sweep. And then literally an hour later, uh, Miami won. Well, what did I say? What did I say? What did I say? uh, You said you may be wrong again. And then I said. Because uh, I saw the comeback happening because I actually watched the game. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was. uh, So I will pat myself on the back minorly and then immediately take my hand away because I immediately gave up on my prediction uh, halfway into that fucking game too. But ironically everything i said about after game one happened right the the anomaly and it was weird because in the first game the eye-popping thing that sticks out is nuggets got 20 free throw attempts they made 16 of them the heat only got two free throw attempts but 
when you watch that game back and I watched that game twice, there was not like egregious fouls that weren't called on the heat. It's like the heat weren't doing anything that would normally get them fouls. So it's like nobody was uh, going up the court in the middle, trying to slice and dice. Yeah. Driving the lane. Which Drive is a big pet peeve of us, is we don't see people doing that. I don't, but you know, the reason was though is, and you brought up this last episode is, um, they were, they're a really good three pointing shooting team in these playoffs, and I think they were trying to live by that in game one, and yeah. they weren't driving; they were just trying to be like, hey, we've been really good from beyond the arc. Let's continue doing that. Let's, you know, let's let's work on that. But I, that well, that it- was their call. Yeah. Well, it also weirdly, it looked like game one, the Heat not only knew they were going to lose that first game, but were also kind of trying to almost get acclimated and like catch their breath. Like they look tired and they, they, I mean, they just played seven games against the Celtics. They just got into Denver two games before, you know, this series started. I don't think. I think in my brain, I was like, no way in hell they win game one. I think they could win game two. And then game one, everything you thought Denver would do happened, right? And everything you thought Miami wouldn't do to lose happened, which is they've been a crazy good three-point shooting team. In game one, they were only uh, 33% from three. They were 13 for 39. And it looked like... They weren't exerting themselves. They weren't going. They weren't driving to the basket like we talked about. Jimmy Butler was not trying to get to the hoop because we saw it in game two where he does that thing Continue almost talking. every time he My gets the ball. My kid's waking up. Continue talking. Yeah. Where uh, we saw with Jimmy Butler in game two where he does – he's a masterful passer in – that he draws the attention of the opposing team's defense, kind of tries to go that back line under the net. And then if he can get a layup, he does. If he can't, he uh, dishes it out to somebody on the perimeter. And then we've seen how good Miami has been, especially in these playoffs, because in the regular season they weren't. But in the playoffs, they've just figured out how to get really good and really efficient looks from three and – in game one, they just weren't doing any of that. You could tell they were exhausted. But now let's heap praise onto what the Nuggets did in game one. I said it uh, that they contained Joker. But again, like Casino said, he's still got a triple-double. But I talked about it, and they held him to exactly what I said if they held him to. Uh, that mean, That would be a good thing. Because in the first game... Uh, Joker, when he is held or when he goes against Adebayo, he has 22 points, 11 rebounds, seven assists. I said if they held him to about 27, seven and seven, they would win that game. Well, ironically, in the first game, they held him to uh, a couple. He had a couple more rebounds and assists than I thought he would. But yeah, he was held to that. And in that game, he just looked uh he just looked amazing 
right? Like he looked like, even though they were holding him to it, he was still orchestrating the offense. He was passing it to Michael Porter Jr. I mean, Michael Porter Jr. on the boards in the first game got 13 rebounds, which was crazy impressive against a Miami Heat team that I think uh, people, oh, let me turn Casino's mic on mute right here. Uh, But it's impressive for how good of a rebounding team Denver is because really they have Joker. And then I feel like lengthwise Miami is almost bigger just because all their three-point shooters are just really long. And especially with Adebayo and Love, you just look like you have size except when it comes to Joker who, you know, He's always in the middle. He's always getting rebounds. That's how he always gets a triple. And he's obviously the best passing big man probably in the history of the NBA. But really, and we'll now segue, or I mean, uh, before we segue to game two, you also had Murray, uh, 26 points, 10 assists. You had Joker with the triple-double. You had Aaron Gordon with 16. You had Michael Porter with 14. Aaron Gordon just is a liability as a shooter, but as a guy just in the paint who has very good situational awareness on the court in terms of, uh, oh, there's nobody here. I'm going to try for the alley-oop. I'm going to get under the basket for the open, like, easy pass. He's a liability shooting, but in the paint, he's really, really efficient. But now we move to game two, where, again, I said – Everything that could go right for Denver went right in game two. Game one immediately starts where the Heat are just like up. I believe at one point they were up like 16 to three. And it was just like. It was rough. Denver, I mean, it was every possession they had. They just looked out of it. They were turning it over. They were doing really dumb passes. They were like double dribbling. They were just turning the ball over every single possibility and Miami was capitalizing, but then all of a sudden the nuggets uh, come back the first quarter and 26 to 23 Miami, Miami falls off a little. And then the second quarter, just Denver comes back and ends it on a 34 to 25 run. And then the weirdest thing happened, which was, uh, Say hi to Casino's daughter, everybody. (laughs) But the weird thing that happened was all of a sudden, Duncan Robinson, he comes back and hits three threes in a row. He starts mean mugging the bench and the camera. And that was like the spark Miami needed from Duncan Robinson. And the funny thing was the announcers, I can't remember if it was Mark Jackson or Van Gundy, but one of them was like, oh yeah, Duncan Robinson, usually not good at dribbling the ball, but he goes right up the paint. Like saying a professional basketball player is not really good at dribbling the ball because he's a catch and shoot guy. Well, I mean, half of them don't dribble anyway. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like when he gets the pass, he usually either sets a screen or just launches it from three in this one. He like drove right up baseline and dunked it. And then it was just like, what is going on here? But efficient, three-point shooting has been the 
offensive mind of the Heat this entire postseason, not during the regular season. During the regular season, they sucked as a three-point shooting team. But in this game, the first game, they were 30% from three. This game, they were 48.6% from three, 17 of 35. They got, however, they got 18 more free throws than they did in game one. And that ended up being, you know, the difference maker, the efficiency from three which they've shown this is i've seen some reports of people being like they're not going to shoot almost 50 percent from three again the outlier for this miami heat team was game one they are way far more likely to shoot 50 percent from three than they are to shoot 30 percent from three i don't know if anybody's been watching this team but they are a very efficient three-point shooting perimeter team right and mm-hmm. i told you this also in our messages bam out of bio just in the paint with that little uh mid-range jumper he has so far he is has to be a hundred percent when Dude, he does that shot how it about is- I, I i know i messaged you it and and you messaged we talked about it that dunk by out was oh my god yeah <laughs> And he was the star of game one for the Heat. He basically had their entire offensive output. In game two, he was 21 points, nine rebounds, four assists. But defensively, he had that amazing block right after. It was like one end, he had the slam dunk. And then they go to the other end where he's on defense. And he has that amazing block that... There's questionable whether or not it was uh, goaltending, no, but they ended up not calling it. However, on the nugget side of things, no, this was really the story of the disappearance of Aaron Gordon no. and kind of Jamal Murray. Where Jamal she's Murray, calling you a, she's calling you a queen. Uh, I take that as a compliment, but right. <laughs> um, uh, Jamal Murray. Uh, In this game, 18 points, 10 assists, 4 rebounds, but he was hot for a minute. I really feel like he got almost all those 18 points in like a 5-minute span and then kind of disappeared the rest of the game. His, I don't have it pulled up here, but I remember his like field goal and uh, 3-point percentage was really low in this game compared to what it was, but... The secret sauce to this game was what gets the Denver Nuggets offense going and what makes them so deadly is when Joker is a rebounding and passing machine, right? Because we talked about uh, one of my keys to victory for the Heat and Nuggets was whoever gets the most second chance points off rebounds and that's basically where the nuggets have lived in these playoffs and the regular season is getting uh so many rebounds and second chance points to do a two point or to do just a joker put back or a three point shot well in this game they changed the the flow of the entire denver's offense into they made they joker the formula Yes. Instead of Joker being a triple-double machine and being the passing outlet to kind of spark this Nuggets team is they made him a score. And they made it where let Joker beat us in the paint. Just let him keep getting just 
two points, two points, two points, because every time we go to the other side of the court, we're getting three points. So eventually when this game is tied and we're hitting threes and they're settling for twos, that's when all of a sudden the gap's going to widen. Right. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, the nuggets were actually pretty good. And uh, from three point, they were, they were 40% from three point to the heat of 50, but it was the shots they were taking was uh, not again. They weren't efficient shots. They were contested shots. And we even saw it at the end where Joker is kind of calling for the ball and Butler switches off Joker and switches to Murray and Jimmy Butler as an on ball defender is underrated because he's just annoying he just hits the ball enough where you think he's going to steal it and you have to kind of reset which i feel like if you watch sorry she got her hair tangled up in her dress if you watch the last uh play of game two you see that the switch happens where Butler switches to Murray. Butler kind of jars the ball loose for a second. And you can see Jamal uh, Murray kind of panic for a split second and then have to reset his shot. And I really think that is what ends up to him not making that shot. If he gets just a clean breakaway on the switch and is able to put that up uncontested or uncontested in the sense that he's still going to have a guy in his face, but uncontested where uh, Butler didn't almost knock the ball away, I think 90% chance that ball goes in because he got a pretty good look. It was just that split second. And that's why uh, we haven't seen the Jimmy Butler game I don't know if we will. He looks like he's just fucking exhausted. He looks like he maybe doesn't have the lift he did earlier in the playoffs. He's played a lot of playoff minutes. But in this game, still, 21-4-9. First game, he was almost non-existent. But again, it felt like the Heat were kind of trying to uh, catch their breath almost and like relax heading into game two. And then it worked because in game two – Really, if you look at the Nuggets and you watch that game, uh, Joker was the only one that was on, right? Quote, unquote, on. And then they made him a score. So when he couldn't score, it was on the other teammates to uh, shoot. And they all looked cold. None of them got on a hot streak. The facilitating the ball around and passing it to the open man and getting guys in rhythm never happened. Because Miami was shutting down the perimeter. Denver was decent from three in uh, three-point percentage, right? They were only eight away from the heat shooting percentage. But again, nobody was getting in rhythm. It was all just funneling to Joker instead of funneling out from Joker. And that's why you look at the stat line and Joker had 41 points, 11 rebounds, but he only had four assists which I think is a much bigger story coming out of this game because usually Joker averages a triple-double, right? So he has six more assists, which means you're getting shooters more confident, which means if Murray's going into the fourth quarter as a confident shooter, maybe he makes that three-point shot. Maybe you 
it, when Joker is hot, maybe you keep the ball in Joker's hands where he gets a three-point shot. Now, I don't I mean, think... But, he's so, but, I mean, he's such an assist machine. And that was something that I saw there was an issue of in game two, was he wasn't getting as many assists out as he wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. And then, again, they were turning the ball over. They, they started the game sloppy. And then the press game post from... I mean, Malone within the last within like the last five minutes, I think it was. I mean, you saw him just literally throw the ball out of bounds twice. Yeah, well, they definitely look flustered, and then even their own coach, the Nuggets coach, afterwards said they just got outworked, which they did. So now the question really? is: This is Denver's first home loss of the playoffs, right? And Miami did it not only by overcoming a huge deficit, but by outworking them and kind of being like like a bully to the Nuggets and kind of just keeping them out of rhythm. Can they keep up this momentum? And heading into game three Wednesday night in Miami, if Miami wins that game, then Denver's in trouble because not only does that mean Miami's up 2-1, that means they got in Denver's head. Denver is the way more talented team that by far. Uh, but... Yeah, just who has the two-time MVP who just lost to a team that has a bunch of free agents. But again, Miami is smart. They have the best head coach maybe in the NBA right now, arguably. And the things he was doing where he was switching his players to get the matchups they wanted, getting wide open shots. The Nuggets tried to double team Jimmy Butler, which worked. But again, Butler is as good or potentially can be as good of a facilitator as the uh, Joker is. But what the difference between what Joker and Jimmy does is Jimmy goes into the paint and then he either gets the foul or he sucks in the offense, so or he sucks in the defense. So now all of a sudden, you have somebody always open on the perimeter. Everybody on Miami on the perimeter is dangerous. The only person on the heat who, when he's on the field, or when he's on the court, feels like a liability is Cody Zeller, right? And he's literally just in there so Bam and Kevin Love uh, can get rest. But when he's out there, he's a liability. And that's when the Nuggets made their big comeback. When Zeller was on there, he was getting bullied by Joker and he was just fumbling the ball anytime he got it. So when Zeller's on the court, that's when the Nuggets need to strike and build as big of a lead as they can. Because when Love comes back and when especially Bam comes back, then all of a sudden it becomes a much more even matchup than I think people realized before the series started. But at the moment. Yeah. So I think I've been underestimating that. Well, I don't want to say I underestimated them because I I knew the heat were good, but um, I I think going into the finals, I was just like, there's just no way that they're going to get beat or that they're going to win. But yeah. Yeah. But now literally it's just a best of five series, right? And it becomes whoever can win three before the other team can, and the next two are in Miami. So now Denver needs to do what Miami did and win at least one of them. They win two of them. Obviously, then you're going back to Denver up 3-1, and the series is kind of over. But 
if you go into Miami and now you lose this next one when Miami already has all the momentum they took from you from game one, then it starts becoming dicey. And it becomes how much does the playoff and especially NBA finals experience of a Heat team that's been there before, how much does that come into play when all of a sudden... Probably a lot. Comes, I mean, well, maybe, if it, it was, maybe if it wasn't like you know so much to all the players but like as you you mentioned the coach like he's he's you you said he might be the best coach in the nba i think he is the best coach in the nba just like he's actually up in coaching i like seeing that yeah and definitely these next two games uh i'm really curious to see what happens in wednesday game how the nuggets come out if they try to just uh, make Joker because there were comments after the game, you know, where Spolstra got upset when somebody was like, you made Joker a scorer. Is that why you won? And he was like, why would we want their best player to score a shitload of points? Which is a legit question, but I mean, it, it seemed to work. So it'll be interesting to see the adjustments each team make heading into game three on Wednesday. We will be back here on Thursday. Uh, when is the next NHL game? Is it uh, so? They're, Thursday they're, it's Thursday. Thursday. They're doing for some reason they they haven't done this all playoffs, but for some reason they're making it a two game break in between game two and three, uh, and then uh, four four and five. So then you know what we'll be back when or we'll be back Friday so we can talk about the next game in the NBA Finals and the Stanley Cup. So we'll see you Friday. Uh, yeah, anything else, Casino, before we get out of here? Fact of the day. Um, <laughs> don't ever... If you have children, don't ever buy those strawberry icing-covered pretzels because that happens. <laughs> That's the fact That is the a day. fact I can back up. Yes. Uh, so, <laughs> this has been the Only Sports Podcast. I'm Will. That's Casino over there. Oh, adios. Adios. <laughs>